Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome, everybody, to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 114. I am your host, Klaus Nightbringer, and uh, joining me today, we have a most interesting potato somewhere in in the the world. world. (laughs) Somewhere in the world. Somewhere in the world. Where in the world is this most interesting potato? Uh, Currently, Tokyo. Tomorrow, Manila. The day after that, Vancouver, British Columbia. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, quite the uh, the traveler. So if you guys were here uh, two weeks ago, I mentioned that I was moving to uh, that I was moving to Japan for work and it was a pseudo permanent thing and I was going to figure it out. and I didn't know how it was going to work. So everything exploded and didn't go super well. Uh, So I'll be back Monday. (laughs) But But that being said, uh, I have been bombing around Tokyo doing stuff for the last week. Oh, might help if I actually do the thing properly. Give me a second. Okay, Julie. No, I forgot to actually uh, hide the the HUD. Oh, well. <laughs> Me. I, I mean, whatever. I'm just not going to miss an opportunity for that reference. No, oh. it's worth it. Well, I, I don't understand it, so. Aura, <gasps> <gasps> it's amazing. What is wrong with you? A lot of things, apparently, but. Avatar well, The Last yeah. Airbender 2. Oh, I don't <laughs> remember that bit. I have seen Legend of Korra. The guy, the ones that were effectively Tony Stark and Pepper Potts? I don't remember that bit, though. Julie, do the thing. And do the thing meant everything from, like, activate the jetpack to blow up the nuclear reactor to throw a bomb off the end of the plane to marry him. It was great. And she understood. <laughs> Every single time. I Apparently, I'm a terrible goals. person. Relationship goals. Seriously. Anyway, we do also have a Sarah joining us. Sarah, how are you today? Oh, I navigated federal bureaucracy without a a legal photo ID. It was great. Being courteous gets you a long way. That like deserves a medal or something, I think. I'm just apparently very good at government now. You bureaucrat. You do work for a school, right? Uh, I work for a city. A library. Oh, yeah, no. So you're good. Uh, Yeah, between... So actually, yeah, uh, I'm taking on a temporary part-time job. The census needs enumerators. Uh, this year is a census. The census is awesome. Uh, fill out your census accurately so that your area can get proper funding and you, we can have accurate demographic counts in the United States, which are important for so many things. But yes, I'm going to be an enumerator for them. Woo. Which mostly means counting people and things. Sarah's going to count the people. Yeah, and tell them why it's very important that they fill this out. One, uh, 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 <laughs> two, uh. I'm going to call uh, you the count. Three. Well, so you have been uh, counting uh, people uh. for three days, and you are only at 12. <laughs> fortunately, it pays well enough that I can deal with this kind of nonsense from you people. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> they cover my <laughs> mileage, too. Yeah, that's nice. Shit. Oh, that's really nice. You gotta like that. Yeah. Um, But that's cool. Uh, Anything else you guys have been up to? Um, I actually got some levels in Eureka Pagos. That was fun. Oh. It's so much easier now. 
I just put on a podcast and I start uh, chopping things with an axe and all of a sudden I gain some levels. Yeah, we recommend putting on Phoenix Down Radio. <laughs> well, that wasn't blatant. Sorry. Just uh, listen to like year one Phoenix Down Radio and see where we were at. Oh, God. Hear how much we've improved. Hear how much we have improved. Hear how much we haven't improved. That's the, also true. The sound quality might be better, but the content, eh, not so much. Questionable at best. <laughs> Questionable well, at best. Eh, we do what we do, but we have fun doing it. That's I, the best part. Yeah. I got Ninja to 60. Um, nice. I've been doing a bunch of other random things within the game. Uh, sit on the other side, Sarah, if you would. I did the Valentine's event. I did that as well. I was actually like 90% of the reason that I decided to piecemeal my PS4 setup together so that I could play. I believe tonight's the last night for that, isn't it? Tonight is the last night for the voting part. The voting ends at uh, 6.59 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow. So if you have not yet voted for uh, for the new Paramore of Amor, make sure to uh, do that. So do we get like a new quest? Uh, oh god yeah technically yes there is a different uh, quest line that will be starting based off of who won on each server i'm so excited about that yeah i'm kind of curious who all is going to win there's been a lot of fierce debate about whose methods are least problematic because <laughs> yeah none of them are great no they're all they're all gross realistically uh in different ways it's true mama dragon thanks for following we appreciate that and Uh, and thanks for joining us i'm looking forward to see kind of how it plays out i do like this particular event um and the outfit is not something i am going to wear but it's something i might put on agkarag because it looks really good i mean yeah the top is dapper as fuck. Come on. Yeah, yeah I have seen a lot of people putting it on their custom delivery NPCs. No, I'm keeping yeah. this one all to myself. Well, I'm going to buy the one for the girls, too. So I can put it on, on Chloe. Eh. That is a good point. Uh, it is worthwhile picking up the other gender version of it so that you can uh, clothe uh, retainers or others in it. Uh, this is one where they uh, people were supposed it's worth getting both of them for this event. Yeah, and it and it's I think it's only one chocolate piece per um item of uh clothing, so Yeah, it's really easy to just do the maze a couple of times and be done. I'm kind of over that whole maze thing though, but it's the only way you can get your chocolates, so I think well we do each thing like two years and then we drop it, right? Like we did the we did the uh, posing the rangers third, for two years. No, we only did posing rangers once, but this is the third year of this uh maze. Like the Halloween event, they've had the haunted manor available as a thing for Every several time. years at this point. Three, at it least wasn't requ- Yeah, it wasn't required, but it was certainly there. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this one is required if you want to get the other events. They're not selling them for guild this time. But eh. I, I do recommend getting the fountain, though. I picked up a couple of them for the uh, free company house, and they're diable, so remember that. Ooh, neat. Yeah. So you can get, I believe, different colored chocolate. Uh, the outfits themselves are also diable, yep. so you can get something with the appearance of any of the outfits. I think they even called out the dye colors. They did. They? My only disappointment, though, is nothing matches the black. Ah, you uh, cannot do a monocolor thing. It's true. It It's 
the the black is has a slight at least on this vest has a slight reddish tinge to it. So if you use like soot black, it doesn't look right. Doesn't Jet look black right. doesn't look right. They did a warm black. That's weird. Yeah, they did. Uh, Ian's show go karting was amazing. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We drove around Akihabara, Ginza, and Tokyo Station, and it was super fun. But I'm disappointed you were not able to yell out, I am Ultraman! No, I wasn't. However, it was really <laughs> interesting finding, like, the pile of old posters and, like, the clearly sun-faded stickers that they had, like, pulled off of the carts because they all said Mari Car on the side. And I was like, hold up. And I, ch- I double-checked on Amazon. I'm like, yep, this was definitely the exact same company. Uh, they have a couple different locations. I did the one in Akihabara. There's two in Akihabara. There's one at Tokyo Station. There's a couple more. So same company, probably different location. Get in the Ava tallies. Yeah, I did. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very cold still. I had a hoodie and like a windbreaker and that onesie thing on, but I was still freezing cold. It looked like a lot of fun, though. It I never was. thought about that. Like, the, as, I thought the costumes were just for fun, but I guess also if it is usually that cold. It's a motorcycle. If you've ever ridden on a motorcycle, it's like that. I have not. Okay. It's, you look at it, you're like, oh, whatever. It's sunny out. It's like, yeah, but you're going 60, 70 miles an hour, and there's nothing between you and the ground but leather and a t-shirt. Like, if you've wow, been on a boat. those are some powerful go, carts if they're going that yeah, fast. Yeah, we were going, we were going like 70 kilometers an hour at a certain spots. They're quick, Dang. dude. Um, but yeah, like if you go on a boat, you're like, man, it's freezing because of the wind, even though it's 105 degrees out today. And you're like, well, yeah, well, we're only going 20 miles an hour. Triple that. It's and it's at night. It was cold. Makes sense. Still looking uh, yeah, like it was a blast. Worth it. I so want it to was do it. Best 60 bucks I've thrown down in Japan for a while. Nice. Well, that, it's, that, it's enough, but I think it'd be worth it for the experience. 85 if I wanted to do two hours. Two hours? Holy shit. 85 for two hours. And if I had started in the middle of the day and it was summertime, sure. Starting at 4 p.m., <laughs> absolutely not. It was freezing. Fair enough. Aside from all that, I want to make sure to throw out a reminder that we will be doing that tomahawk throwing get-together on March 7th. Uh, we decided we're going to do it at noon central time at Victoria Borough, which is uh, here in Minnesota. So if you're in the area around March 7th, um, $20 will get you an hour of uh, um, throwing plus some lessons with that. And if you're not into the whole axe throwing thing, you can uh, also join us for some pretty good food, video games, mini golf, and hopefully lots of fun socialization. So let me know as soon as possible. Um, You can email podcast at phoenixstarradio.com. You can uh, tweet us at PHXDN Radio, or you can hit me up on my personal Twitter at PHXDN underscore Klaus, K-L-A-U-S-S. Just let me know soon because I want to get those reservations made so we can uh, plan this out and have an amazing time. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into some game and community news. I want to start by throwing out some happy birthdays to uh, some awesome people. On the 6th, our very own Aurori had a birthday as well as uh, everybody's uh, favorite former Final Fantasy XIV community team member, Akmorn. Happy birthday! (laughs) Wait, I feel like we shouldn't say it on the actual birthday. Well, it's not her birthday now, so happy birthday! (laughs) Uh, (laughs) One of these days, she's just going to, like, haul off and murder all y'all. 
And I'm going to say I saw it coming. You're going to be included, dude. I, I don't say this. I try to I'm get other in, people to chill a bit. You're guilty by I'm association. I'm going into Gamer Escape to try to find what the equivalent of popcorn is around here so I can watch. Good <laughs> <laughs> boy. Uh, and then on the 7th, um, a friend of ours, uh, Kyle Spender, also had a birthday. Yep. So, he he is one all. of the... Uh, he's my best friend since college. God, so many years ago. Uh, so... Uh -huh. uh, and he's uh, the person uh, that I bounce a lot of my ideas off of. Usually he has his feet a little more solidly on the ground than I do. So he's been a source of ideas and commentary throughout a lot of what I do. I'm able to do because of him. Very nice. He, I, he was, uh, he's still a member of my former uh, free company, Phoenix Down. And uh, really nice guy. So want to wish him a happy birthday and uh, hope you guys had an amazing time. Yep. Uh, I don't know what else he did during the day. He usually keeps his birthdays fairly low-key, but uh, we spent the evening attempting to format Tsukiyomi with his brother and his boyfriend. Oh, nice. That's what it she went said. mostly pretty well, though uh, folks are still having a little trouble dropping the meteors in the right spot. I think uh, some of the waypoints got mixed up a few times, but we were picking it up towards the end. Huh, I think next nice. time we'll get it. Can't forget I about this. Come fight. on. <clears throat> I still haven't beaten that fight. That's something I should probably get on at some point. It's been a while since I have beaten it, but uh, it, it's it's I mean, a good at this fight. Point you can you can go in unsynced and probably just smash it at yeah, this point. That's uh, what they I were mean, doing. Yeah, we were doing four man unsynced, so we had three. Uh, they tried three man a bit while I was finishing up. Oh, I finally got the gayest fish in the game, Warden of the Seven Hues. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. No, that thing was. It's not hard so much as involved and tedious. And the thing sells for like 7 million gil. Wow. It only fits in a tier 4 aquarium, so it's a giant fish that has rainbow coloring. A lot of people want it for decoration. I like turtles. I think you should get two of them. <laughs> I Are mean, you what suggesting you that I like per finance a mansion entirely from gay fish? Yes, actually because I am. I am here for that. I will be back on Monday, and I will help you fish. You do All know right. how much fishing Sayer does, right? I yes. am, I only have five gaps in my fish guide now. I think I've caught five fish in all of Shadowbringers. <laughs> <sighs> I go out, I catch the fish one time, I immediately stop fishing, go back to Limsa, and send my retainer after that fish. <laughs> but then you don't get the thrill of the hunt yourself. I don't want the thrill of the hunt. I want fish. Because you want to fill I'm your bag monster. with fish? I want to fill the bag with fish and swing it around. Like chili? <sighs> likes to fill his retainers with fish? At least I can fly. Shots fired. Oof. Love you, chili. <laughs> um, how did I even get on that? I was talking about the Warden of the Seven Hues. <laughs> we talked about birthdays, birthday fish. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Hey guys, there's a game coming out in April. We should talk about. Yeah, there's been Ooh. actually, and since the last episode, there's been a lot of Final Fantasy VII news. If you guys have not seen it, there was a brand new trailer with a uh, whole new theme song that uh, was released last week. Uh, let's link that for everybody here. It was, and is 
amazing and super, super cool. Make sure to go check that out, uh, preferably after the show, or if you have seen it, there's a lot of stuff that's in that trailer. Holy shit. Like, we get to see the uh, the whole a lot of the Honeybee Inn stuff. We get to mm-hmm. see Cloud in his pretty little dress. There's stuff in in the trailer that was like, oh, that's amazing and is so cool. I'm so glad that we get some more information. Uh, at the Square Enix Cafe uh, new location in Akihabara, a friend of mine was taking pictures, and you can tell that there was posters put up before and after that trailer came out because there's stuff on posters and in cardboard stands and whatnot that's specifically related to the honeybee and images of cloud in the dress stuff that we didn't have before and then there's also a bunch of frames and whatnot that doesn't have anything in it yet Mm. so they there's more stuff coming and it's all being staged out so yeah be ready yeah aside from seeing cloud in a dress we also got our first glimpse at red 13 who looks incredibly good oh yeah like the feedback I've been hearing is a lot of people who would go and they played the original FS7 like, oh my gosh, this is so much blockier. This thing is so, like, it doesn't quite live up to. But that when they've looked at this, they said, this looks like what my memories are. Yes. And that's one of the cool things about human memory is that if you try to actually play Final Fantasy VII right now, you go, dear God, how many colors is this? Eight? Like, it looks horrid. The backgrounds look gorgeous but the actual character models look janky. And then you go into now and you go, no, this looks right. This is what I remember seeing. But what it actually was, was very blocky Gen 1, PlayStation 1 graphics. Human memory is crazy what we actually see. Yeah, we also got to see Genova. As well as a a lot of... uh, um, bosses and uh, employees of Shinra Electric Corporation. We see uh, Scarlet. We get to see Hojo. We see just a, a, an amazing storyline that's laid out for us. And we like we even had Palmer there, and he was yep. talking all about his beloved butter. <laughs> that was I, that was weirdly silly and a very cool little. Yeah, little I mean, just go with the original translation. He was going on about making sure to include the lard, so this would be something that kind of conveys that essence really well. Yeah, well, I mean, they do butter and coffee is kind of a thing to a lot of yeah. people now. You know, bulletproof coffee, so to speak. But yep, I've done like the coconut oil yep. in coffee. It was not a fun experience. I guess some people really like it. I, I'll pass. I have a friend who accidentally added, uh, I think it was soy sauce to his co- uh, coffee once, and then ended up trying it out of curiosity. It was like, this is less horrible than I thought it would be. It's just salt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so- like, salt helps tame bitterness, so. This coffee has so much umami. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, your heart is just like, dude, you could have, like, eaten a pound of poutine or a sip of this coffee and it would have been the same result as far as your cardiac arrest well <laughs> i suppose depending mm, on let's how... get putin mm, poutine who doesn't mm. love cheese curds right people who are wrong and i guess the lactose intolerant but they're also wrong it was true but it's not their fault well yeah they can't help being wrong but they are wrong don't at me 
You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. Damn right. <laughs> but uh, us, along with that, they also released a uh, behind-the-scenes making of the new theme song called Hollow. And our favorite uh, composer, Nobuo Uematsu, is actually the uh, main man behind this new theme. And I believe the uh, the vocalist is Yosh from... I'm terrible with band names. I can't believe the dude's still working. I was actually going to say, does this mean he's back to work? Because he was not doing anything like a year ago. I mean, it might be issues. like... It might be that he's taken enough time off and he's uh, up for it again. Or it might be that this is like a one-time thing. Don't know. Okay. One-time thing, or it's super part-time. Uh, yeah. Yosh is from Survive Said the Prophet, a Japanese rock band. Oh, that band is awesome. Yes. Never heard of them, but the name's cool. So that's who that who the singer is behind that uh, very haunting tone. Um, but it... it Check out that video um, when they talk all about it. Um, I also watched a uh, another kind of behind the trailer video done by um, uh, Final Fantasy Union, and uh, they talk about how many different um, composers are actually on uh, a lot of the the new Final Fantasy games. Like they, I think they said fifteen had eleven different composers. So and there's at least now three that we're aware of on seven. So that's a bunch. Yeah. And there's probably even more yet that, that have been working on it. I mean, Square Enix has no shortage of talented uh songwriters and uh composers. So Yeah. And the scope of these types of games, it feels impossible for one person to do it all at this point. You kinda need a team. Yeah, I mean, we always think of Sokin doing all the work on 14, but he is not alone. No, he's got a huge team of people to work with him. Exactly. So, if I mean, if any of the, the, the music that's been coming out of Square Enix is a, a clue, and this song um, is any indication, we're in for a treat when it comes to the, the music from the remake. I'm excited. All April right. 10th. And there's also a lot of uh, promotion, other promotion going on in Japan. Um, there is a Skytree uh, Final Fantasy VII crossover event going on in Tokyo as well. And somebody in here went to go see it. <laughs> I did. He did. Um, so there's actually a couple of different things uh, that are going on crossover wise. The first is that shit is just everywhere. All yeah. over Akihabara, all over Shibuya, all over buses. It is literally everywhere you can find Final Fantasy VII related stuff. They know what they're doing for this. Um, especially in Shinjuku, which is where SE's office is. You can see it a lot on the uh, little mini screens inside of trains and subways. They have a lot of little commercials playing for it. In Akihabara, Square Enix Cafe moved from their old small location to a larger location, mostly in order to be big enough to do this crossover event have more merch, have special merch, have special menu items. And then you go into the Sky Tree. The Sky Tree is taller than Tokyo Tower. For everybody that is, for all of my Seattle friends, uh, Space Needle is 138 meters tall at its tallest point. The lower observation deck of the Sky Tree is 350 meters. Ooh, God the damn. upper one is 450 meters. So that's up there a little bit. 
the event is called uh, Midgar or Sky Tree and Midgar or Midgar and Sky Tree. I don't remember which. Um, Do they are there sixty five tree floors? Do you have to walk up all of them? No. Uh, Waltifa however, and Barrett, bitch. No. However, they do have. Uh, you remember the bar was called Seventh Heaven. Yep. The bar slash event area is called 340th Heaven <laughs> because it's at the 340 meter uh, mark. Right. The 350 <laughs> is the view room. 350 or was it, you you come off at 345 and you can either go up into the viewing area or down into the restaurant and shop. Uh, so that was a super crazy fun time. They have images. They have uh, content. If you look at my Twitter at Talus Marvelous, I actually tweeted out a picture of Barrett uh, tagged uh, John Bentley in it. And they had cases of toys. The original 1996, 1997 toys. Damn. And they're under glass and they're with a rope. And there's armed guards around this stuff. It's insane how wow. much cool shit there was. Uh, there's whole sections where like you're not allowed to take pictures, uh, which is one of the weird things about Japan. You're not allowed to really take pictures of a lot of touristy stuff, which is super annoying. But also, it does kind of ruin that experience for everybody else when everybody has their phones out. So you really just get to see it in person. Uh, but it was a lot of fun to see. Everything from here's the initial concept art and original pitch in writing all the way up to this is what's coming out in April. Like It's a full on cultural event, it sounds like. It absolutely is. And like we kind of pick on seven. It's just like, man, can Square Enix make another game? That'd be nice. But yes, they can. They have. But think about what this has done for tourism and commerce right now where it's 38 bucks just to go up there just to look at all this stuff and it was absolutely worth it so super super fun if you are in tokyo sometime between now and april 22nd uh that is how long the event is going through and they should have all the the stuff up for that amount of time oh so it only it goes just shortly after launch correct uh it started on the 6th actually uh, so it actually started after i got here <laughs> and will be done uh about two weeks after launch yeah very cool i'm glad you were able to uh be there at, at be at the right place at the right time apparently literally randomly and this happens like i got to go to makoto shinkai art exe- art museum like two years ago because it just happened to be going on while i was here uh but that being said, if you do follow me on Twitter, I did post a lot of stuff. I've also posted a lot to my Instagram. Um, so if you want to see pictures of weird food and cool coasters, I have them. Woo! You're still a lucky what about, bastard. What about weird coasters and cool food? Uh, yes, except for not anymore because the AKB48 Cafe is now closed. Sadness. I was so sad. I didn't think that my last time here would be my last time there. Uh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Music videos and melon soda. It was awesome. Oh. That does sound really nice, actually. Oh. Damn it. I, I, I mean, I they are AK... now, but money. They are AKB48 music videos, so there's only so much you can really do. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to some Final Fantasy XIV news. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV team, or some of them will be at PAX East. Um... 
Yoshida and lead character concept artist Yusuke Mogi will be hosting a panel on February 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern, as well as being a part of two signing sessions. And I believe if you attend the panel, you will get a two-sided poster that you will be able to bring with to one of the signing sessions because you get a ticket to one of those as well, which is really actually kind of neat that they're, that they're doing that for the attendees. They definitely want to make sure that people that want signatures can get them because they know that not everybody does. But by having it available, it's definitely helpful. Absolutely. Um, and of course, it wouldn't be a uh, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen at a non-FanFest event without having a battle challenge. And this one will be featuring Ruby Weapon. How appropriate. Well, I mean, <sighs> the patch will have dropped before they get there, so... Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's just kind of like, a, okay, all the various bits going together. Yeah. Especially with the FF7 hype and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will also be uh, Final Fantasy fourteen lanyards and a small amount of scarves available while supplies last. Anybody going to PAX East that acquires one of these scarves should message me at Tal's Marvelous on Twitter because uh, I definitely want one. They look nice. They're, they look really cool. Um, it looks so good. Yeah, and for Talas to say that, that must be something special, because Talas doesn't save anything. I don't. <laughs> I am a monster. I own, I own eight T-shirts now, and that's a uh, like a three-year high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I usually had six. It was brutal. Damn. Um, Every day is laundry day. No, once a week. <laughs> Do you like have a scheduled week. rotation for your clothing? Yes. Doesn't everybody? Monday, I wear this outfit. <laughs> I'm no. only part joking here. <laughs> I, I mean, it's okay. Here's the problem is I can say things like four days a week. I wear a shirt with a Hachiroku on it. Well, yeah, I own four Hachiroku shirts. It's not that hard to do. Um, but no, all of my shirts kind of go in rotation where it's like I have a bunch of Hachiroku shit and then I have like two Boomslang shirts and whatever my soccer con shirt was from the year before. Like, that's it. That's all I own. Man, like I need to clean out some stuff, but I still can't imagine doing that. It's very tricky. It's a weird, stupid thing that takes entirely too long and was not worth the effort, frankly. I think I have more Phoenix on radio T-shirts than you have shirts. Damn. See, that's the thing is I need a Phoenix Down shirt, but like I have to get rid of something. Yeah. No, you don't. You can, you, yes, can, you, can, you can add it to your collection and go to nine. Yes, but then I'd have to buy another hanger. I'll give you a hanger at FanFest, okay? <laughs> or, anyway. Or when you go to redbubble.com and, and search for Phoenix Down Radio, <laughs> <laughs> you can request a hanger. <laughs> comments include hanger i'm gonna start doing that when i buy shirts just to see what happens <laughs> oh my god i do think i, I need to see what happens i do think i need to bring you a, a t-shirt though at uh for fan fest i'd be down with that i mean you could always just like fold it and put it in a shadow box under glass and never wear it what fun is that weird everything i own i use yeah, he doesn't have decorative things either, remember? Right, right. 
This is trickier than I thought. Remember, he it's, he doesn't have a permanent domicile. He is a nomad. He is a well. Roman. I mean, I did sort of for four years, and now I don't anymore. <laughs> I mean, I will say, as soon as this exploded, my uh, my former roommate Bannon was like, "Hey, I haven't painted your room yet," and I was like. I'm actually going somewhere else for a hot second, but so go ahead and paint the room and do whatever. Uh, we'll touch base later. <laughs> All right. Um, there will also be a, a new player experience area with the free starter edition for those who participate. I think that's an amazing thing to do. I mean, great way to get, a, you know, people playing for free because it includes a three free 30 day subscription. So. And for any event like this, you don't want it to just be the players who are already playing who come and do stuff. It's nice if you can attract some new blood in. Yeah, I mean, because it's an event like PAX, you know, it's not something that's specifically for Final Fantasy like FanFest would be. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity to bring in people who would potentially be interested. So, join one of the 18 million people. No. Um, there will also be merch available for purchase as well as a fan gathering that evening of Friday, February 28th at the Brahmin Bar. Um, let me get a link for that as well. And that looks like a lot of fun. So if you're going to be going to PAX East, definitely look into that. And uh, I was going to say say hi for us, but he ain't, Yoshi, Yoshi is not going to know who we are, I swear to God. Right? I, don't um, think so. I mean, I think... I think Moose is going to be there, so if you see him, give him a hard time for me. Yeah, I, Tell him that I uh, sent you. I'm pretty sure Ask Fusion him. is going to be there, too. Fusion X, also from Etherite Radio. Gamerscape. Ask him about the bubblegum frappe. Seems like there's a story behind that. <laughs> there there's is. I'll it. tell you about it later. All right. Um, the next duty commenced will be this coming Wednesday, February 12th, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. 3 p.m. Pacific, and they will be on the Goblin server over on Crystal. So if you're on the Crystal Data Center and uh, want to take part in uh, the Valentines event, some PvP, um, or any of the other fun stuff that uh, Aya and uh, um, Danielle and uh, the others have planned, um, make sure to stop by. Um, the giveaway is going to be an Otter Otter Lamp. And it looks adorable as hell. Oh, They are pretty adorable. Yeah. It would go great next to my Tonberry lamp. Ooh. Not going to lie, that does sound super cute. <laughs> it does. And uh, it's going to be on the twitch.tv slash Final Fantasy XIV um, Twitch channel. So The other big bit of news that we got, besides the live letter, which we'll be talking about in a second, is... Fan fest, yeah, dude, I am like absolutely stoked. I was not expecting San Diego, but it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they manage Comic Con, so yes, as Sarah just uh, blurted out, uh, NA Fan Fest. Oh, come on, they knew. Will be at San Diego, uh, November sixth and seventh. We were wrong. NA is still first. Yeah. We got a bunch of stuff wrong, like not L.A. and uh, North America still first. Yep. Still California, so yeah, well, we got that. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of room. The um, San Diego Convention Center can handle up to 125,000 people. But 
they're not going to be renting the entire facility because at least one area is going to be taken up by a uh, um, diabetes uh, convention, I believe. Was that what it was? I think Something so. like that. <laughs> I, the place is huge. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's going to be fine. Yeah. So I would... I would I don't think that they're going to go quite to 50,000 people like Nick Nar in the chat is saying, but they'll, they'll probably open it up to about 15,000 people. That's my, I mean, how, my guess. How, Sorry, you're cutting out there, Mr. Roboto. How, how many was it in previous years? Um, the NA Fan Fest in 2018 was about five to 6,000. So yeah, even if they like turned it to 15,000, that's still tripling the number of people who can get in. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be more along the lines of what the size of the, the uh, Fan Fest in Tokyo was in uh, 2019. That was about 15,000. And th- that was only in part of the, uh, the, that, uh, the, 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 that Tokyo uh, Convention Center. Mm-hmm. I believe that's where they do TGS. So, Yes, TGS is there. Also, TGS is in, I believe, September. So like... We're going to get some stuff at TGS. We're going to get some stuff at PAX West in September. And then we're going to have FanFest in November. Yep. It's going to be a very busy fall. Yep. Um, Like many other people out there, I've already got my hotel room booked. um, And I did see that a few hotels were already full. So if you... Yeah. the, The nice thing about most hotels is they're going to have pretty good cancellation policies. So... That's the biggest reason yeah. why I booked is I can um I've got up until the day before to cancel. Yeah, I do the same thing for like most conventions is once I know the dates like a year before, I'll book the room and then it's like, hey, the room block is open. I'll call or use the website and be like, hi, I need to move this reservation into that block or I need to cancel this or I need to get staff rate or whatever. Because once I have the room, they're not going to get rid of the room. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure they're going to have much for block rates, at least for this, since there's like no attached hotel. And no. We'll see. I mean, even uh, for a lot of conventions I've seen, they'll usually have a block rate, at least at some of the hotels. Yeah, or they may offer some tar- some kind of uh, discount that you can utilize. I mean, I expect but... it to be less of a cluster fork than what was going on with the Vegas ones, where, for instance, when people canceled their reservation, they were not released back into the block, but became standard rooms. Yeah, that's that a was little, dumb. That's a little bit of a crappy deal, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, the only thing that I, I noticed friend... is the hotels, on average, are quite a bit more expensive in San Diego than they were in Vegas. Yeah, they're not subsidized by casinos so they got to make their money on room rental i guess yeah yep so it might be just a touch more expensive on you know on average but uh it's gonna be an amazing time and uh i can't wait to find out when tickets actually go on sale um but as far as the other fan fests they also announced the uh the the japanese fan fest is going to be december 19th and 20th in nagoya japan which is to the west of tokyo is that correct it is it is southwest of tokyo it is closer to kobe and osaka than it is to tokyo at all actually you'd probably end up flying into kansai airport and then training your way uh eastward uh if you don't fly directly to nagoya um as far as like lodging and airbnb and that kind of stuff if you do end up wanting to come to the japan one airbnb has a lot of specific rules in japan specifically in tokyo uh, but it's kind of gone countrywide you do need to give them a copy of your passport like a like a photocopy they can usually do it at the location 
Um, they ask for things like where you work, what your permanent address is, your full name separately from their actual registration for like Airbnb, just because the Japanese government really wants to keep track of who's in and who's out. Uh, most of that was over the last year and a half was because of the Olympics happening this year. Mm. But in the future, if you do come here, expect it to be a little bit harder than grabbing that Airbnb from the mountain town three hours away. It might be a little bit more difficult than you're used to, but it's still not super hard. Just allocate an extra 20 minutes to the registration process for it. And then EU Fan Fest will be February 20th and 21st in London. Oh, that'll be easy for Chile. Yep. So Chile may be going to two, potentially. So something Chile did mention uh, for people that are heading there, apparently if you want to get a like uh, visa waiver temporary visitor pass to uh, to the UK now, courtesy of Brexit, that's going to run you about 95 pounds, I think he said. Yep. So and it's good for six months, which is cool if you want to spend six months there. But if you're spending like four days there, it's kind of ass, frankly. Yeah. So go do what we do what people do when stuff is near, you know, Disneyland or whatever. Go a week early, do all the stuff in town and then go to your event. So if you're going to go to London, go to London. Don't just go to FanFest because you're going to have to pay the same for that visa regardless. So extra allocation. Something out of it. It's just also a lot of. A lot of the demographic for this game, not everybody has disposable income to the point where they can just burn it and make it happen. So you're going to have to get a place to stay. You're going to have to deal with transportation and food. You're going to have to fly there. And now you're also going to have to throw down 100 bucks just to be there. Like, it's starting to add up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And you haven't gone to FanFest and bought plushies and T-shirts yet. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Exactly. Um, but like I said, there's no uh, announced date for ticket sales, but there have been rumblings of a Final Fantasy XIV content creators event, um, possibly the night before FanFest. So make sure to follow us uh, so, so you can keep up on uh, more information. And as Chili in the chat says, make sure that when you go to the UK for uh, FanFest in London, go visit Scarborough. Go, say hi to the werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> Visit the other potato on the other side of the planet. Yes. Well, Chili's going to actually be in London, but he might he might drag you along and uh, show you all around Scarborough. I'd be super down for that, actually. <laughs> that awesome. actually sounds kind of fun. Yeah, it would be an amazing time. I, I would love to go um, all over the place. And, you know, um, um, UK is on my list of uh, places to visit, along with Japan, but... No, sadly, it's not in the cards to go to all three fan fests. <laughs> it's not in the cards to go to all three. You could. You'd have to sell your house. Yeah, I'd have <laughs> And get rid of all of my belongings. I have more than, than eight shirts, Talas. This is a fixable I don't know problem. what it's like. Yeah, just have me come to your house. I'll take care of it. You're going to Marie, you're gonna <laughs> go, you're gonna Marie oh Kondo on me, huh? See, I was getting rid of stuff before she was a thing, so I, know, I, I think know. I just don't like owning shit. All right. Anyway, so that kind of does it for all the game and community news that I have. Um, if you guys have an event uh, with your group in uh, Final Fantasy fourteen or um, just in general that you want to tell us all about, you can email us, podcast at phoenixstarmradio.com. We will be happy to share it with the rest of the, uh, the community that listens, so feel free to share that information with us. 
so now let's go ahead and jump into the meat and potatoes of our uh, discussion, and that would be Live Letter 57. Um, yes. We are going to use um, Nova Chrysalis and Gamer Escape's summaries of the Live Letter. Now, I was awake. Along with a lot of rewatching the videos. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. I watched it like three times. Um, now I Klaus was... and I did like a frame by frame thing earlier this afternoon. For the, uh, the the trailer, yeah. That's yeah. all I actually saw of the, the, um, the live letter because I was awake for it. But unfortunately, I was awake because I had to be at work early. So I didn't get to watch any of the live letter. I was at work. I was awake because it was 8 p.m. Yeah, uh, uh, no, no, no. you and your yeah. time zones. A friend of mine was actually at uh, Cafe Orzia, and they switched all the screens off of playing trailers and videos, and they switched them to playing the live letter. And so they just the whole room was full of fourteen players at the Steam Cafe, just watching the live letter. And it wasn't over when they were supposed to close. They just said, "Man, fuck it," and they shut down food and drink service and just let everybody stay. That's freaking awesome, over. isn't it? It was great. Uh, I linked uh, the uh, cinematic trailer in the uh, the Twitch chat. It'll also be in all the show notes as well for those of you listening on the podcast. So we, we didn't forget it. about you. Um, and for kicks and giggles, later on we'll also uh, link the YouTube uh, video for the entire live letter, which was, I believe, four and a half hours long. So, yeah, it was insanely long. <laughs> yeah, lots to talk about. Um, so as Sarah said before the show tonight, we actually did sit down and go scene by scene in this cinematic trailer to kind of go over everything that we see. And, you know, I normally don't do that for the trailers because I just like to enjoy them as a, an ev the event that they are now, but there is a lot of stuff in this. Yeah. It was pretty much to the point where we were going back and forth and like calling out timestamps of like, okay, now look at the thing at two twenty-five. Yeah. I, I'm There's sorry. There's a lot going on here. I forgot to write down the timestamps in our little discussion here. No worries, but, no worries. You I think you Yeah, you've got plenty here. It's yeah. fine. Um I mean the, the this whole thing starts off with Ruby weapon for fuck's sake. Like yeah. holy shit. Boom, it's out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, fight scenes in in this. Um I would say it's it's a very nice homage to the original Ruby weapon. But it, it almost looks like Ruby Weapon uh, has not been skipping leg day for the past uh, 20 some years. He's got some <laughs> chonky legs. Come on. Chunk. It, it, I mean, it, some of it kind of reminds me of Emerald Weapon's uh, lower legs. I'm wondering if they reskinned or rebalanced that particular art asset. Because it, it, uh, it was very kind of thin in comparison. Yeah. It had a you know the bigger top, but the legs were weren't weren't you know proportional. Whereas this looks like it could actually stand and uh, hold the 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 weight of such a large uh, monstrosity. And that feels like that's going to be another one of those. If you based it on the original one, people are going to be like, "That's not what I remember," because yeah. your memory edits the. But oh yeah, overall, Ruby Weapon looks good. Um, I would imagine that once we see Ruby Weapon in like part two or three of the remake, that it's going to be the this, this same style. I hope so. I mean, that's one thing Square Enix is consistent across um, their their games, especially when they have um, the wep um, enemies based off of or something that's iconic to the series. 
like cactuars and chocobos and stuff like that. So they learned from Final Fantasy twelve. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically thinking of cactars. And Moogles. Yeah. Well actually those Moogles were kinda like the uh um uh tactics ones too, weren't they? Evelisian I don't mind Moogles are their own thing. I was gonna say I don't mind Evelisian Moogles. Yeah. It was the like really weird cactuars that I was like, what the hell is that? Oh, interesting. Anyway. I uh, just want to throw this out there because uh, Chili had a highlighted message in the chat today. He says, if you've never played Final Fantasy XV, it's free on Game Pass um, if you have uh, the Xbox Game Pass. Oh, shit. Awesome. Includes all That's the DLC 15. minus uh, episode art in. So, Pretty neat. And like I said, I, I liked fifteen. I thought it was a good game, but let's get I back to I haven't finished it. I'd rather like to. Well, there you go, Sarah. You should maybe stream that sometime. <laughs> okay, so we like I said, it starts out with a ruby weapon, um, and then we get a scene with a, a pair of all raw, um, and uh, we were thinking that that might be um, the uh, a couple of the NPCs from the Sorrow of Whirlit quests that we're going to be getting in this new patch. Uh, yeah, the uh, I did go ahead and recheck. The patch site does include a picture of those two uh, under the Sorrow of Wearlet stuff, which is the uh, name of the quest line relating to the weapons. And so they seem to be involved with it somehow, though how remains to be seen. And then uh, we see Gaius is in Alamigo talking to Rauban. So that's got to be a weird conversation. Right. I'm gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be a really weird conversation. Yeah, sorry about the whole enslaving your homeland thing. No hard feelings, right? <laughs> are we cool? Are we cool? We cool, no? bro? No, uh, fair. But yeah. also, what do we do? What, do you want to chop my arm off too? No? Oh, I mean, God, Gaius no. wasn't really oh. responsible for that. No, I know, bit. I know. Still. Can you imagine Gaius showing up and being like, where the shit is your arm? And he'll be like, it's a thing. Don't it'll worry be, about uh, it. Like, Move on. <laughs> I'd like to think Gaius would be slightly classier than that. I he probably is, honestly. Yeah. He's so walking like, into eh, like shit happens. Shit happens on the battlefield. You don't make a thing of it. Don't stare. Nope. Let it happen. Uh then we see the Warrior of Light and the Scions uh walking into uh what looks like an area similar to uh um initially we thought it was Crystal Tower, but uh on second thought, we we look deeper, and it's similar architecture to what was in the uh, Academia Aniter. So yeah. we think this is going to be Which, in that new Aniter zone. To be fair, like a lot of that elegant stuff was probably influenced by Emmett Selk's taste. Hmm. Very possible. Some of the lore, I checked in with the lore mongers on some of the details here. We were batting about ideas of it, uh, but yeah, a lot of the areas uh, look similar to some of the arenas arenas that we fought in during Academia Aniter, which I actually really like the idea of. The hard modes they've often had is kind of a remixed or different route version of it, and I really like this whole like okay, it's kind of a the dream version versus the reality aged version kind of thing. Yep. And we see some really cool things, like we see a boss from the Uniter fight. Uh, they show the Katari and Raktika. We get our first glimpse of what it looks like to fish on one of the boats in the ocean. Uh, I do want to call out that uh, boss from the Uniter fight, the large purple Cyclops with those horns. That is pretty much spot on the Cyclops summon from Final Fantasy Tactics. So it's nice to see that they're um, still digging into the tactics side of uh, things as well. 
Yeah, one wonders if that's perhaps the original concept for a cyclops. In terms of the uh, Amarot uh, concepts, not in terms mm. of the real world. Gotcha. Um, they show off the ethereal drill in the diadem getting used. And that was, look, <laughs> it's so funny to see somebody uh, in a gathering gear with a giant rocket launcher on their shoulder shooting off a huge beam of light. I am looking forward to busting that thing out. Oh, right. I'm just, okay. So not for nothing, but it has been said that we shouldn't be attached to a mistake just because we spent a long time making it. Diadem? Really? Well, I mean, still? I mean, counterpoint? Up until it closed, I still occasionally did Diadem or I had friends who got in for it. For the, It was a great source of specialty ores for airships and submarines. Mm -hmm. and, and basically now it's going to be it just for gathering. Like, as a gathering thing, it was still pretty cool. Yeah, you can make a lot of money. Um, what's nice, like, though, is... Like, I helped someone uh, assemble multiple submersible parts just from uh, the dark steel ore there because you don't have to wait for it to be up. You can just gather it. So beautiful. And it's nice. It's no longer going to require any of the ceruleum tanks or vouchers to get in, so... So basically, anything, all the, the um, stuff you spent on those is basically they're worthless now. Hopefully, they've been for a some, while. Hopefully, we can turn in some for some gill or something. I mean, I think they're NPCable for gill. Okay. Um. Then they showed kind of look, what looked like a a kind of library, but instead of books, it had a whole bunch of uh, green tubes with a few red ones. Um. Yeah, that bit looks a little bit, again, like uh, some of the Academia Anider stuff. The best guess that we have at this point, given uh, what discussion we've already had, is we know that the Amaro teens uh, like had their concepts, their Bureau of Concepts, where they stored these things. We're wondering if this is somehow like a library of concepts. Yeah, I mean, because one of the things that's mentioned um, earlier on in the, in the um, patch trailer was uh, ta they're talking about um, a way to store concepts and uh we're wondering maybe if they're going to try and utilize that technology to store the concept of the scions but would that actually store the scion is it like the whole the, there's a question of like with tell the idea of a teleporter if you just like create a duplicate of it would this actually bring the scions over or would it just kind of create a conceptual duplicate of them how does that even work there's oh, some weird you mean like star trek teleporters kind of thing yeah there's some weird stuff to sort out here. Very true. Um, and then we see, uh, after that, we st we get our first glimpse of Gaia uh, since the uh, fan fest. And uh, looks like she's summoning something. Um, and it's on top of Eden there. And uh, she, it wasn't clear to me. It wasn't clear to me whether she's actually summoning it or it seemed like it might. It might be that she was calling it or that it was kind of reaching out and she was pushing against it we only had a very brief instance so it's hard to tell what's going on in that but uh what was kind of funny is then there's these little these birds uh going around and then we see in a battle them kind of flocking together so they kind of got the uh the, the moniker of uh sin gulls so we, we get to fight against a flock of sin gulls make sure you run you run so far away yeah you better run close <laughs> Just, just make sure to uh, have the proper haircut. No. Ugh. Doesn't need to happen. 
And then we get a glimpse into a couple of uh, primal fights that we're going to be seeing. Uh, well, raid fights. Well, yeah. Prime-ish. Raid fights up it's weird. against the primals um, that we quote-unquote remember. Oh, God. Rama. Holy shit. That is... Uh, that's not the Rama that I remember, but okay. <laughs> it's like... Well, Rama got buff for one, spouted some badass yeah. wings, and decided to uh, merge bodies with uh, Ixian. Holy crap. I mean, I don't know. That stuff just kind of all merges together in my head after a while. What do you expect from me? I still do like to call back the thing from one of, I think it was the anniversary stream, uh, where uh, I was... Was talk they were talking about this exact idea and Yoshi P was like, Okay, like when you're thinking of Rama, like what the like what things come to mind? Comment from the chat. Balls. At least we do not get Rama's balls. And, and his like, response is like, This is why you get weird primals in Eden. Or we do get Rama's balls later on, who knows? But I mean like uh. it sounds like it's less of a hey, we're having this clear defined picture of it and more like oh hey there are these impressions there are these bits and pieces that are floating through that get assembled in some way we don't have complete control over um then we also see a fight that features ifrit and garuda not just one not just the other Did i also see shiva in that fight no I did not. I would have. I remember we were theorizing about how it might be fun to have the callback to FF6 to have mm -hmm. a, a tag team between Ifrit and Shiva. But yeah, it was. I mean, I really, really like the uh, the con the uh, character design that they use for the new uh, Ifrit and. Uh, and Garuda. I mean, it's not too far out of place, but it, it looks really nice. As someone that's been playing a lot of World of Final Fantasy, when I see primals, I see very, very different characters than what the primals are supposed to be in 14. Yeah. <laughs> now, those three are I very, very different, though. For sure. And they did not show the fourth boss, and... You know it's, what? Uh, it to be something huge and dramatic that terrifies the raiders. Hopefully. Like, I mean, like, that's the reason that we had Titan in a weird go-kart. To fuck up the raiders' day. It you was know like, I'm right on this. It's gonna Let's be Shiva in an airplane. <sighs> I don't know. Or could nah, be Shiva on a motorcycle. They could do the full Elsa. <laughs> Shiva on a motorcycle. Come on, guys. You, we got this. You want to build a snowman? The, the like, complete sequence. There's a bit of uh, active time event where you have to move through the uh, crystal castle as it assembles. I hate everything about this. Excellent. I have done my job. <laughs> Damn it. And this is one where we all lose. Uh. <laughs> I, I mean, I got a laugh out of it. I'm calling this a win. There's okay, your fucking now I laugh. Lose. <laughs> <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> All right. Um, we get to see the Scions then going into a Ronkin temple, 
uh, and we see this really interesting mural. Uh, we don't know where it's from, but they're bathed in what appears to be a beam of light, and it's surrounded by star showers. Or, yeah, they look a lot like star showers. They're, okay, keep going, because I'm going to want to touch on a bit Yes, um, and then we get to see, um, if you've done the, um, the tank storyline quest um, to its completion, you'll see Granson. Um, who is the uh, main NPC from that, talking with the Warrior of Light. Um, then we see Grahatia and Bek Lug um, in the ocular. And we're hearing in the background Ishtola talking about how an event could leave such a deep impact on the soul that it could be perceived eons later. Now, that line really stuck with me. And it's like, oh, but what are we talking about? Not just about? you. That has a lot of people theorizing. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. Um, and then we see a storm rolling in at the Crystarium. Um, now, we don't know what that means either, but the scene right after that is, as we kind of called it, it looks like we get to see a uh, floating crystal chalice, kind of somewhat reminiscent from Crystal Chronicles, but not quite. Um, and, and a bunch of darkness that's kind of emanating towards Gaia on top of Eden. Um, and we hear in the background Rian, we believe, saying that this light is is too much for her to bear. Yeah, I I had to do a lot of the checking on this one because I don't listen to everything in Japanese voices. <laughs> well, like I said, that's why I don't know who what the English voices were, are are quite like. Yeah. So no, I had to check a lot of these since I actually hear the English voices from time to time. But do you think that you feel good about that? <laughs> Um, and then we, we see a number of uh, spectral images of the Amarosians uh, surrounding the Scions in what we believe is going to be the Anamnesis Anider. Um It's kind of a cool looking scene where we're just kind of they're like, if you've ever, if you've ever watched Star Wars and their communications where they've got the little uh, um, 3D projection coming up, it kind of looks like that. I want oh, that like, for real. Oh, help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, or thing. or yeah. any anytime you see like a um a transmission, uh, disc or something like that, it, it just kind of you know that type of thing. And then um we we see what appears to be Dalmascan architecture with a whole bunch of Garlean gunships uh, in the midst of that. Um, there's just a lot of shit going on. We see what we think might be the the Boja Citadel. Um, and Makoto oh, yeah, and Sid. There was a bit of debate around what exactly that could be, since there's some elements reminiscent of others. But for those things I pointed to, in the back you see the walls with the crenellations very much we saw on Balesar's wall out in uh, at the Alamegan border. So that looked to me rather a lot like a Garlean fortification, which, given everything else we know, suggests the Bosja Citadel. Um, and then we get to see, like I said, like I said, Makoto and Sid are running with us, um, as we're fighting against Garleans, um, with the, and then we're also being helped by the Hrothgar. So that's why we're thinking that this might be the Bosha Citadel, because that is kind of going to lead into what we see in 5.25 with the, uh, the, the new, uh, stuff for the, what the blades of Gunhilder quest line, I believe. Yeah, this was also something where it was uh, said that you would need to complete the return to 
Ivalice content. Mikoto, that uh, scholarly aura there, uh, uh, did have her introduction in the Return to Ivalice content. Uh, so, it, given everything we know, one of the things about this trailer is there's a lot of cuts between different content that I think was meant to uh, suggest or imply that they're connected, but it looks like it's scenes from actually a lot of different content intermixed. It seems a little like yeah. they're toying with our expectations. Again, yeah, so there's a lot of for them. a lot of jumping back and forth. So everything we're talking about, you know, some of it is is linked together, but other parts like some of it's on the source, some of it's on the first. Um, so, but like I said, we're just going through what we see. Yeah, they are playing with us hardcore. Yeah, because the next scene is not Ardbert um, and the Scions uh, in, in Roktika. And then we get to see a mosaic of what we believe is Heidelin. Yeah, Heidelin's our best guess right now. I mean, it's similar to those uh, really early drawings that we saw where uh, um, Heidelin was or the, a, a light-looking kind of um, angelic chibi kind of thing is jumping on a dark one it's right. a similar shape to that but with a little bit more um features um and then we get uh where are we at more cutting back to makoto and uh and then the warrior of lights holding white aura sight and then we see sid cough up blood in this imperial fortification and then it goes back to Ardbert I swear to again. God, if they kill Sid in 5.x, I'm going to lose my shit. A lot of I, I severely doubt they'd do that. He's dead. I need He's gonna him. Die. He's great. No. He's totally going to die. No. Squarenus has been listening. I'm from speaking now. <laughs> Stop it. Too bad it's my podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. Stop it. Yeah, it's weird how that works, that you can be banned from speaking on your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, part of me is like, no, I agree. I was, I was replaying through, uh, ARR, uh, with my, uh, KupaCon friends and I'm sitting here going, I met the Scions for the first, for the first time where everybody's in the room together for the first time. And I was like, wow, this scene is very weird now knowing everything I know. Yeah. So when main character death is talked about, I'm like, I I know it has to happen sometimes, but man, do I not want to deal with it? Yeah, I mean, we've had a few uh, main characters, uh, you know, die, but fight it. <clears throat> not uh, there's certain ones that I think there would be uh, rioting in the streets if SC were to kill them. Now, just remember, remember to point out to your friends from KupoCon just how much faster they pick up that one body. Yeah. God, those brutal fuckers. Yeah, love them. And then like, we cut back to not Arbord again in the Crystarium with us. And then we go back, we cut back to the uh, Sid Makoto and the Warrior of Light. But popping in to join us are all the Scions. And Reen. Like that and one. Uh, for those who are looking at the trailer, it's at about two minutes and 25 seconds. I noted this time because I have referenced it in so many conversations. <laughs> Normally, when we're watching these trailers, uh, even with the jumping back and forth between stuff, you, there's some amount of, okay, this probably relates to this content because this thing's showing up. This relates to this. Like, there's kind of for each of the things to fall into. So even though they may be uh, playing some tricks with us, you could tell, like, okay, what's going to be grouped with what, what's going to be... This is the one 
that feels like it's throwing a lot of assumptions out, which I'm fine with. I like it when they can throw us a curveball, but this is definitely the one of a curveball of a, we've got Sid and Mikoto here in what looks like a Garlean fortification, which suggests that we're on the source, but we've got the Scions there. Uh, but we had the white aura site as well, remember. They're kind of blipping, teleporting in, so maybe they're, like, being summoned in somehow, or it's a projection. And there's Reen there as well. Like, this is the one that upsets a lot of, of our assumptions and questions about things. And it's the one that's making me... Yeah, you can tell from how animated I got. This is the one that's been occupying a lot of my thoughts. You have to remember, though, uh, Reen has... Uh, Minfilia's or a lot of Minfilia's soul? Uh, not quite. Uh, it's weird. Kind of? But the fact that she's able to, okay, assuming we're on the source, how did she get there? How did the Scions get there? Are they astral projecting? What is happening? What, they're Jedi we now? Yeah, right? Maybe. Like, we <laughs> we're not sure. And that's kind of what we want. We want to get given this information and be excited about it, but we also want to have questions so that when this drops in two weeks, we have stuff to do that we're looking for those answers. But we're not yeah, done no, yet, guys. This is this is the type of thing I want to see. Like <laughs> I definitely have questions now. So many questions. Okay. But then, then there's we, more cool stuff. Yeah. Then we see yes. Gaia kind of disappearing in some blackness, and then Xenos walking through. The, the basically the Amarod dungeon, the the last days of Amarod. Yeah, that's another one that raises a lot of questions. So far as we know, that creation of Emmett Selks is uh, exists on the first. Xenos is fairly clearly not on the first, and he does not have a adorable cat boy summoning him there. So how is he there? Is he? Is he actually there? Is he walking in an echo of... Uh, is he echoing into our memory of, of it or into some other thing? And I want to touch a little more on that because that sequence actually starts with a thing that 1.0 players might be uh, very familiar with. That uh, cloudy sky with that bright orb in the center of it with streaks of light coming from it. Actually, not quite yet. That doesn't. That oh, comes up, that? That's a little bit uh, ahead yet. Is that? We're very, yes. close. We're, we're we're close. very close. I, we're close. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Keep going. Yes. Yeah, so, um, a while ago. Grahatia is grabbing his arm in pain after that. And okay, then, so, then we see Dalamud. Dalamud above a Garlean tower. What the hell? So the the thing that backtracking a little bit when Grahatia grabs his arm, if you've ever had too much sodium or eating too much poutine too fast and your heart starts to kind of not feel great um your left arm tends as dudes left arm tends to get a little funky if you're starting to have cardiac problems so i was like when he grabs his arm my first thought was oh i've done that on the other side with stress cardiomyopathy and so i'm thinking what's causing him that pain in his arm that's his crystal what's... arm i know it's his crystal arm so what's causing that pain is it stress is it ethereal imbalance is it the presence of dalamud like what is no, it that's causing that pain are the timeline shenanigans finally catching up well because wasn't it said in the in the previous storyline that uh um his 
life there is tied to the scions being there and that if he were to die potentially they would go back maybe if they go back uh, he will still be impacted by mm, that nah, not not quite like i see what you're going for but you're kind of mixing up your cause and effect well i'm just wondering if, if how deeply i mean he is deeply ingrained into the crystal tower right now Right, He's but half crystal tower. Yeah, uh, it was more that the the scions are uh, there because of the like the magic that he was working, mm -hmm. and so his death would cause a lot of that stuff to unwind and maybe uh, send them back. I mean, like this is all theoretical. It's not like anyone's gone and murdered a cat boy in order to test it. Well, we hold no, still, Sarah. No way to test. <laughs> I mean, yes, I'm all about empirical testing, but no. Hold still, Sarah. Let me let me get up my daggers. <laughs> let me test something. Stab. <laughs> hey, oh. it worked. Good news. All right. Moving forward again. Dalamud. Why is Dalamud up yeah. there? I now, was not comfortable with Dalamud showing up just because of the fact that the last time it showed up, I was online when 1.0 went down. Woo! Memories! And I was like, I'm not cool with what's happening right now. Now, the tower that we see it there looks a bit like some of that Bosja stuff, and Dalamud actually is very tied in to the history of Bosja Citadel. So, I'm expecting that it has something to do with that. Mm. Uh, Bosta Citadel was originally the, the place where the first lunar transmitter was being developed, created uh, by Garlon, Sid's father. Uh, it was also the place that was obliterated in an instant by a beam of light from Dalamud, an experiment gone way too right. Thanks, Midas. Yeah. This is one time when you won't trust Midas's touch. I don't trust anything that's happening. <laughs> but so uh, having it tied to Bosja somehow is the one that makes the most sense. I was also really like psyched to see that because the titles of these expansions, it always ends up being something that has multiple possible interpretations. We'd already talked about like the echoes of a fallen star. It's like, okay, we've got this like past uh, Anitor area. We've got like this other version. It's like, okay, it's kind of the remains of the fallen star, the planet uh, that's kind of fallen. Like here's these uh, echoes of its past. Mm -hmm. But then you have this other fallen star, Dalamud. I had to play a different video game for a year. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a little concerned. They're probably not doing that again. I feel like that's the kind of trick you get away with once. You're going to get a black hole for about two weeks on our loading screen? <laughs> I mean, not for nothing, but like, you know, towards the end of that uh, that 4.0 cycle, I was like, maybe I'm going to finally play Persona 5 for two months because there's nothing to do. So like, I don't mind taking a break. I do mind taking a break when I find out about that break by the world yeah. being hit by Bahamut. All right, we're almost done with this. Let's kind of push through. Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, we then cut. Now's the bit that I was thinking yep. of. We then cut back to that mural from the Ronkin Temple that shows the star showers, and then we see the real thing: bright light surrounded by clouds, with star showers coming down from the sky. Sir. Yeah. So that thing, uh, 1.0 players, I remember. Uh, 
pretty much at the start of every uh, scenario, whichever city you start with, uh, there would be a thing where your character witnessed this star shower in some kind of uh, strange ethereal location. Uh, it was never fully explained. It was referenced later in it when you go and meet Minfilia and her Path of the Twelve, people who are all possessed the Echo and are trying to find out about it, uh, what the deal is with it. One of the commonalities was that they had all seen this star shower. Now, the original of meaning, uh, the original plans for it have almost certainly been lost to history. We have no idea what the uh, 1.0 uh, team had originally planned to do with the Star Shower, with the Echo, with all the meaning for that. But this does mean we've got this interesting chunk of plot lying around that, hey, maybe it's time to pick it up, dust it off, and see if we can slot into what we've got going here. Because we've got the cutting from that back to those last days of Amarot where you have those stars falling down again. Yep, because we cut then to another nice little stroll with Xenos in the last days. I mean, he's yeah. just like no fucks given walking through like, huh, this looks like fun. Maybe I should build a house here. And like we've got already had this reference to the idea of like events so massive that they... Uh, kind of like etch themselves onto the soul for eons. So I'm wondering if they're trying to like reinvent the star shower as this echo of the last days of Amarat. Or maybe they're gonna they're talking about like when we see Dalamud crashing down in front of the Warrior of Light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like I hadn't noticed that little uh like the picture of the crystal with the various things in it that they've used as like I totally glossed over it before, but you do have Dalamud in the top of that crystal. Yep, we've got um, Ardbert on the left, Elidibus in the center, Warrior of Light on the right, and at the very top, at the point, is Dalamud. So that that is the 5.2 cinematic trailer, guys. It took them three minutes and a, a handful of seconds. That was about 45 minutes. <laughs> Yeah. There's a lot going on there. We're excited, damn it. Like, there's like periods of two seconds where they switched between three different scenes, and I'm pretty sure part of separate content, but they were making it look like it was part of the same thing because they're fucking with us. Yes. And oh my wow, god, they're doing I... such a great job of it. <laughs> like, I, I say it that way, but do not think that I'm upset about this. This is some masterful trolling, and I am here for it. Sarah's excited. Everybody. He's never going to yeah. give it up. <laughs> All right. So patch 5.2 echoes of a fallen star releases on February 18th of 2020. Um, Nine days. Yep. And then, well, 10 days for some people. Time travel. Uh, sorry. I, I, I triggered my, uh, my dot. Rip. <laughs> so I had to mute for just uh, a quick second. Um, 5.21, they said, will be releasing about three weeks after patch 5.2. and That then sounds about right. 5.25, um, based off of, um, you know, past history, it, somewhere between four and six, maybe seven weeks. Yeah, generally, uh, the uh, it's been about six weeks uh, between uh, the release and the point five, but it's been as short as four and some, and occasionally it's been delayed a bit more. So it's kind of hard to guess. Yeah, and being five point two one is a week longer than, um, because most every time the uh, raid comes out two weeks after the patch. In this case, yeah, it's three like, weeks. So. 
Like, we're kind of just guessing here. Exactly. We, we like to guess. Um, mm -hmm. So, of course, new main scenario quests are going to be added. Um, along with that, we get the Katari Beast Tribe, which are basically the Keykern. And this is going to be a gathering-focused Beast Tribe. This is going to be the first one where it's strictly gathering. Yeah, they'd had so they had crafting ones for quite a while. And crafting and, the, and gathering. So the Ixal would were crafting focused, but you might need a gathering class at level five in order to gather some items for some part of it. But it was like a very token yeah. one. Then the Moogles then it, were fully crafting. Yeah. And then the Namazu, you could do crafting or gathering yep. at your option. Now this is the first one that is helpful. just gathering. Um so it, this is based in Raktika, and one of the uh, it, things that you can get for getting up to max level and gathering enough of the uh, Beastman currency is Great Serpent of Ronka Mount! Scree! <laughs> Technically, it's Great Serpent of Ronka in a pot. But still, scree! Yeah. So, okay, are we saying that we're going to have to all get that mount so that we can do a show with all three of us sitting on the mount somewhere? Yeah. Yes. Okay, perfect. Just making sure, because I'm going to do it anyway. I just want to make sure you two are both in. Yes. You've got your Lahi, you've got your Scree. And you got your La Scree. Now, like, the, the picture they showed, I'm pretty sure it's going to look absolutely ridiculous if you're writing it as anyone other than a Lalafell. I already look really weird perched upon my pork mount, but I'm still okay with this. You're not wrong. Captain yeah. Potato over here is going to have a great time. Yeah. Well, then there's the the, the Highlander. Yeah. <laughs> so you have Highlander, Catboy, and Catgirl. Are you Catgirl? Uh, Catgirl. I've, yes. I've literally never paid attention. Clearly, I'm just wow. like whatever. It's Sarah. It's fine. <sighs> I see your name, and I know who you are. All I can say is. Uh, why did we give him that board? Hi, I'm Talos. I'm bad at aesthetics. It happens. I mean, to be fair, I tend to... I tend to... ...somewhat more gender-neutral stuff anyway, so... Fair enough. All right. Uh, the Instance Dungeon, which we kind of uh, talked about a little bit in the uh, trailer. Uh, the Anamnesis Anider um, is going to be added. And as they specified in the previous live letter, there will only be one dungeon per patch now. And Sarah, in we talked about it. In exchange for that, uh, dun the dungeons that they add are going to be trust enabled. So. Yep. And we also get other types of content added as yeah. well. Um, and then we, I think we talked about it when they first announced the name of the dungeon. Um, but Anamnesis has a really interesting meaning and sarah you want to remind us what that is again? Uh, yes so it comes from uh platonic philosophy plato having this whole idea of like ideal forms and like this kind of existence anyways but anamnesis is the remembering of things from a supposed previous existence so it's kind of like if you have like say oh there is this past life it's kind of like bringing back these memories from it which given that it sound so they have hinted, uh, suggested, not outright said, so I'm hesitant to say this is exactly a thing until we get a definite thing on it, but they've hinted that the, uh, that we our character is a fragment of that member of the Convocation of 14 who noped the fuck out of there. No, we, we are responsible for Heidelin. 
it's still not fully confirmed. It has been very strongly hinted, but I would imagine that this would be the patch where it's confirmed if it is. Idolin's my bitch, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like with the whole tampering thing, it's more that you're Hydaelyn. Hey, if it weren't for me, Hyland wouldn't be here. Well, sure, but then <laughs> you went and got tempered, so suck it. You're giving me a temper. Damn right. Uh, anyways. <laughs> Moving on. So, and the, the title and the theme, like, Echoes of a Fallen Star, exploring this past. It's seeming like that might be invoking kind of the, hey, we've got this echoes of this uh, former life, this former existence that mm -hmm. we might be exploring. Again, assuming that that uh, is the case, which seems very likely from what has been hinted, but... People have been wrong about this before, so I am reluctant to say it will definitely be this until I have a direct citation I can point to. Because Sarah doesn't like to be wrong. Oh, do you know how often the lore mongers, like how often we have to say, like, no, this entire thing you spun out of whole cloth doesn't actually have any support in the thing. You just made this up because it sounded nice. And you said, well, obviously this can only be such and such. Well, there are three other explanations. We have to do this a lot. You're too politically correct, Sarah. That's not even a politically correct read! <laughs> I am going to fucking throttle you at that. <laughs> I love you too. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Fun things about librarians having to reference stuff. <laughs> this is where you push the crickets button, by the way. No. I, I prefer going. That's oh. also bad, but okay. <laughs> Are you okay, like, Sarah? Part of our job involves information literacy. This involves helping people figure out how not to fall prey to conspiracy theories and stuff like that. Do you know how much work coronavirus has made for me? You triggered my trap card! I mean, technically not a lot because I mostly work I work in the children's department, but there's occasional questions. All right, let's move on. Um, Let's move on before Sarah blows a vein out of his forehead. Uh, going to my happy place. A Go new Chronicles of a New Era quest line, uh, The Sorrow of Whirlet, will be added. And as a part of that, we will be getting the Cinder Drift, which is going to feature everybody's favorite chonky boy, uh, Ruby Weapon. Leg day. I, I have to say, when I saw him plunge the things down into there, like the tentacles down into there, and they hit, it's like, oh, wow, this brings back memories. Mostly it was another PTSD, one of those, but... yes, it's not, the, it's not the exact thing, but it, it looks like my memories of it. Well, you got to remember, there's more than three of us on the battlefield, too, so. Not for long. <laughs> True. Yeah, Nick Nars referencing the Ruby Gundam, because, yeah, Gundam. the launch is just straight up a Gundam sortie. It's um, great. And then <sighs> this uh, uh, new quest line will actually feature uh, Gaius's past and will continue in the future. So be interesting to see more about what Daddy Gaius was like back when uh, he was maybe in charge of all these uh, weapons. I mean, he still did a bunch of really horrible things. Let's not forget that. Cool motive, still murder. Yeah. Um, we're going to yeah, get that. to new raid tier, Eden's Verse. Um. That's going to be coming in uh, the 5.21, so that'll be three weeks after launch. Um, Gaia, the character shown with the hammer at FanFest, is going to make her official debut at this point. And then like we saw the Rama fight, Ra Ramuxian, um, the Ifrit and Garuda. And then we also saw that Flock of Singles fight. Um, like I said, uh, we have not seen anything about the fourth fight. They always like to keep that one a secret until... Um, people get to it. 
So I'm super cool with that. He, uh, did absolutely. I also, if I remember reading, uh, Yoshi P also said that there's new directors working on that fight that didn't work on the first part of Eden. So we're going to see kind of unique mechanics and it's going to work a little bit differently hmm. as opposed to like, how many times did we fight Faust and how often did it actually change versus now where it's going to be every single one of these 12, assumably fights is going to be super different because they're going to have a different person running it every single time. I'm very much cool yeah. with that, with the way that Eden is supposed to work anyway. I love that each fight is unique and different, it should but be. it's very thematically bound to like we're still fighting Eden and it still feels like I'm fighting Eden when I'm fighting Leviathan when I'm fighting Titan whatever well I mean we're not but exactly fighting Eden we're, we're well, fighting ourselves really or our, our memories we're fighting our own our own mental battle yeah. but it's like we're our we're own fighting, terrible memory yeah, we're, fi we're fighting an accumulation of ether that has been given form so that we're allowed to beat it up with our terrible right. memories but we're getting to see it differently every single time as opposed to, oh, right, it's the blank fights set where you always have to look out for whatever. It's like, okay, it's you have to fight these weird ethereal orb thing machines that you have to do to get to Bahamut. Okay, well, you always have to fight Faust. Okay, well, you always have to... No, there's no always. Every single time is going to be, what do you remember? Okay, we're going to twist it. Surprise, Rama has a horse body and is buff and is going to dismantle you. Good luck. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited for this tier. Yeah. All right, and then we get... Uh, yeah, I'm a fan of remixing stuff, so a number, make it happen. They talk about a bunch of job adjustments and PvP job adjustments. Uh, well, there's a little bit more information on that further down. Um mm -hmm. Crafting and fishing are going to have some changes. Um, materia system updates will be implemented. Um, uh, they are keeping that one close to the vest, of course. Yep. Uh, and new crafting. Some actions for crafting will be removed. Um, and fish bites will be changed to notifications. So I guess I'll have that show up in the chat log now? Or, nice. I'm not sure how that's going to work. I got, I got, uh, you you feel a nibble. Really nice. you, feel, you, like, you feel a big nibble. You feel a little nibble. You feel a massive hit. Yeah, that'd be nice as opposed <clears throat> to just having one headphone in and listening for the creak of the fishing yeah. rod and hitting it. Like, ugh, that's fine. But Or man, having really to watch very closely at how much the rod bends. I yeah, definitely have to that. change up my attention when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say for crafting, like, there's a lot of skills that I just never used in crafting, which I've said before. It was kind of cool to have three or four people all crafting at high level. We all use completely different trees of how we got there. Mm -hmm. But there was too much, and it was kind of unnecessary. But now I'm like, all right, we're all basically doing the same thing now that it's sort of homogenized. What the hell are they getting rid of? <laughs> like, there isn't a lot of skills that I don't use at this point. Okay. Going back to the, the fishing thing, Aurora saying exclamation points is what we'll see. Mm. I'd be down for that. Like, Eureka! Wait, you said oh, we wouldn't have to go back to Eureka. Eureka you can't fire... I can fire a rim shot. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ocean fishing. Yeah, just... yeah. Yes. Thank God. Something other than the two kinds of fishing that we've had forever. So apparently ocean fishing is something that you can, uh, that'll be running every two hours and it's going to be approximately a 30 minute, um, instance. 
Is it a solo instance or can no, we go as a group? No, it is a group thing. Um, there will be uh, two different locations where you can board the ocean uh, vessel. And there will be, in, as you're fishing along, there will be three different zones you'll fish from, each one lasting roughly seven minutes. And depending on how it, well everyone does will depend on how much of a bonus reward that you get. It's treasure hunting. Eh, kind of. Ish. It's treasure um, hunting with fishing. Like, it mostly just brings back memories of, it was an FF11, they had made a uh, change in one patch such that it used to be whatever you fished up, only you could see, and then they changed it so it became a message that anyone could see, though you could, of course, filter it out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nick now reminded me they're also uh, talking about bringing in uh, pirate attacks where oh, you have a fish attack. off. Okay. That's, <laughs> I'm going to catch good. more fish than you are. There'd be the pirate attacks and then be like, okay, just make sure you start casting sneak on yourself and get back to fishing. Oh god! Yeah, in eleven, but in fourteen, it's gonna be you. The pirate captain is gonna challenge you to a fish off. I'm okay with that. Could we have a dance off? I'm also down for dance offs. What? I just how many dance emotes do you actually have? All of them. Not all of them, but a pretty reasonable amount. Yeah, I, I like to think so. Yeah. Um, the new tombstone is going to be added. Uh, the tombstone so rotate allegory. Up. Yep. So yep. Allegory. Po- poetic stays. <laughs> poetic yeah, stays as always. Um, and then uh, Goesha will be going away, and Phantasmagoria is going to be the uncapped tome. All right. Um, they're up. Updating the number of uh, New Game Plus chapters that will be available. Um, Alliance Raid Quests will be added. It's a New Game Plus? Mm-hmm. So you can run hey those guys, quests sh- again. Hey guys, you should probably do Crystal Tower again before you start in on Shadowbringers if you haven't done it yet or forgotten. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you can refresh your memory of all the bits. Um, then this one actually is something we've been waiting for for a long time and I didn't expect it to be this much. But uh, free companies are, yeah, free companies will have a rank increase to 30. 30. Yeah, it seemed like they just wanted to be like, okay, we're going to add all the stuff so we don't have to worry about yep. this. For That's a exactly what he said, too, is we're just doing this so that we never have to do this again. And it's basically <laughs> just going to be increases in the amount of uh, company chest storage. Ooh. Good. So we get. 20- I have so many random air, uh, airship and submersible bits. So do we get twenty-two more pages of uh, free company uh, chest space? Uh, I mean, maybe they'll let us buy level three buffs. Maybe. Who knows? That'd be cool. Um, new uh, course in the Leap of Faith at the Gold Saucer. Um, they're actually trying to make fellowships uh, relevant by making them viewable in the companion app. And also trying to make the they companion can try as hard as they want <laughs> relevant, other than giving me a, another free teleport. But speaking of which, if you don't I'm have the companion app for that free teleport, you should just download it just for the free teleport. That's literally <laughs> the only thing I use teleport. it for. Yeah. Um, umbrellas. We get umbrellas. 
So we can I didn't realize as... this was a thing in demand, but this was a thing in demand. So now we can cosplay as Bert from Mary Poppins, I guess. I don't know. Or um, what's his name from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Yondu. Yes, you can. We can be. Uh, we can be. Our do our best, Yondu. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> what? <sighs> Nothing. I I want that arrow. Yeah. Um. So yeah, getting into some of the job changes that were uh, talked about. Red Mage, uh, buffed, because right now it's the lowest caster DPS. So it's going to be uh, brought up a little bit. Uh, Summoner, who's the most powerful, or one of the most powerful caster DPSs, is going to be nerfed. I'm so happy I just leveled it up. <sighs> well, damn it. <laughs> they're, they're, bringing, they're bringing the two in line, because both of those jobs have raises. I mean, that okay. is huge. Um, party, um, you know, utility. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Well, didn't Chili say the other day on stream? It was like there's a reason why Black Mage should do the most because it's the least flexible. Exactly. Black Mage and Samurai bring the least raid utility, so they they are relying on sheer numbers. Um, other jobs like Bard, Dancer, Machinist, they all they have a a lot of raid utility. They bring a lot of support. And they don't have nearly as good a DPS because of that. But they, they help out everybody else. And same with Summoner and Red Mage, yeah. where it's like, yes, we have raises. Uh, we have a cure. Like, we have a couple of cool options that we have. Yeah, I'm okay with doing a little bit less on the DPS front to yep. balance that out. Exactly. So, uh, Samurai Meditation stacks we moved to the job UI. Thank God, because I never know what the hell it is. It's just in the buffs with everything else. And when I'm in an eight-person party, I've got 12 icons to look through. I'm like, uh, I think I have three. This is lit up. Cool. Like, I have no idea. So having it in the UI is going to be really okay. helpful for me. I'm happy for you. I haven't touched Summoner. I just unlocked or, or, um, Samurai. Samurai. I just locked it. Unlocked it. Oh, it's, it's fun. Anyway. Yeah, I, it's, it's enjoyable. Um, in PvP, Warrior and Monk will see some adjustments. Dancer will be nerfed. Dancer is OP in in PvP. I mean, that's why I've been running it uh, every time I, I jump into the roulette because Dancer is just amazing. It is so much fun to play in PvP. Well, ranged in PvP has always been super powerful, but, <laughs> even in 2.0, like Bard, right? But Bard is actually not as powerful in in PvP. Um, Dancer though is amazing. So is uh, Machinist, from what I see. I haven't actually played it, but Machinist. Kick my ass a lot. Uh, when I was doing PvP, uh, I did Machinist a fair bit. And, it, and it's pretty easy, too. I would either... I used to do Warrior a lot, but now, basically, I just jump in and then I switch straight to Dancer. And it's like, yeah, come at, come at me, bro. It's great because I can stand away from the points and I can, you know, shoot my, my chakram at, at people coming up and protect... Uh, the Ovos from, you know, being uh, taken over by somebody else. So it's it's nice. Hit and run, bitches. Yeah. Hit and run. It's great. Uh, continuing on. Um, let's see. In patch 5.21, we are going to get the Ishgardian Restoration, which will include the reopening of the Diadem as a gathering zone. Um, it's also going to bring us the Cupola of Fortune, um, new expert recipes, and a ranking system that will take place... Uh, every 10 days with the release of patch 5.21 top ranked players will receive special titles 
and these new expert recipes are going to be very, very tough, according to Yoshida. And you can buy test kits to try stuff before you burn all of your mats. For about 300 gil? Yeah, I really... I don't remember. It's not enough for it to matter. I really appreciate that because I know for a lot of them it's in like, okay, you have to use a simulator. And given how they've talked about a lot of stuff with like whether you need a third-party tool versus having a solution available in-game, it's nice that they are trying to provide in-game solutions for some of these. Also, it's just kind of fun to test it out. Like, you really start to get a feel for it better that way, I found. And then finally, they talked about uh, in patch 5.25, there will be the new secret trial that will be added, as well as the new quest line for uh, the Save the Queen Blades of Gunhilder. We'll be uh, um, featuring relic-style weapons, a bunch of upgradable equipment. Uh, basically, we're going to try and help free the Hrothgar from Noah Van Gabranth uh, of the 4th uh, Imperial Legion. Um, they talked about a possible public dungeon will be in the works for this series uh, al- along the lines of uh, the Baldessian Arsenal. And to so get, I'm guessing they'll be use, learn, using some of the stuff they learned from Yuri. Yep. And uh, in order to do this, you must have completed the Return to Ivalis storyline. And this is going to continue through a number of the upcoming patches as well, in a, in a fashion very similar to most Relic Weapons or like the, the past uh, Eureka storyline. And that was the majority of the new content that we're going to be getting in patch 5.2 but it wasn't the only thing that was talked about during the live letter towards the beginning uh yoshida had to uh get his uh his his dad stance on yeah he he, he, he put his dad pants on and uh i think he had his 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 dad glasses he was kind of giving us that that dad eye and he's like guys you are very focused on yoshi as a daddy <laughs> just saying stop my penis can only get so erect oh god no. <laughs> so glad that's on the board but good god <laughs> <sighs> okay anyway worth it yes um i i swear to god Yoshida has been listening to our past episodes. That is definitely what happened. Exactly. I mean, well, we were talking about mods. You know, you you and Talos and I were talking about mods in some of the early games uh, a month ago. And then two weeks ago, Chili and Yelta and I were talking about mods uh, in the 14 and 11 games as well. So he had to have been listening because he said, Mods are bad and kind. It was a little. It was more than that. A lot was actually said. Um, He went on a rather, rather long rant regarding the use of mods and third-party tools. Um, Basically, he says uh, um, some players might not care, um, but what everybody else is like, you know. Let me go to the, there, there's a couple spots that we got all this information from, so you have to forgive me here. 
it, yeah, it this was... was one that there was enough interest in that a lot of people were trying to do translations, try to uh, uh, convey a bit more of the nuance, in part because this is a rather complex yep. thing with a lot of nuance going on. Yep. So basically, it's kind of started out recently around the end of the year. Um, people were uh, putting out screenshots where it included mods sort of uh, that were not appropriate. People were basically posting uh, screenshots with the nude mods out on social media. And Yoshida was not happy with that. No, he was. I mean, obviously, third party tools are <laughs> frowned upon. But also, like, this is like, hey, guys, you're kind of taking what this game is, the, what the vision that he had for the game and turning it into something very strange. I, it's not, I mean, it's not just that. Like, that type of mod uh regardless of how one feels about it there's a reality that that's the fastest way to start a moral panic about it yeah. and to have a lot of forces coming in from outside saying hey maybe we should be regulating what you're doing here and he's saying uh people are saying that he hasn't taken a stance on this so he's saying it isn't allowed um depending yeah, here's the stance yep. stop it depending on the content you publish it goes beyond just getting a penalty from square enix in some countries some of the screenshots they see are against the law um and uh so they're they're like very serious you know anytime that it uh where your um mod changes the data don't do it um so but it's not only mods that they were talking about they were, were also talking about third party tools um and he f basically flat out said, you know, ACT. While many people use it as a parser to see how they're doing, and while that necessarily isn't bad in and of itself, the fact that it can be used for harassment is bad, and he's not happy about that. And because of how it can be used in that fashion, there will never be an official parser in Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, there was actually a lot going on about this one. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, it went on for a while. He doesn't want anything to turn toxic because there are communities or there are games where the community, they have an official parser and the community is very toxic if you are not parsing at a certain level. Yeah, he got into some other aspects of it, including this is a... We've talked a bit before about how often he'll go, uh, start describing a lot of the actual reasoning or the considerations that he has to have, like giving a lot of insight into what's going on there. This was one where he did do that again, so there was a lot of really, really interesting insight. I'm not sure necessarily how in-depth we want to go into it here, but there's actually a lot of really good commentary to explore. Yep. And the thing with ACT, like I said, it's not just a parser. There are also other uh, add-ins that you can plug into it that will give it more functionality. And one of the functionalities that was used was the ability to automatically change waymarks in the game for different yeah, phases. And that there was somebody in one of the progression world first uh, battles that utilized that and uh, gave them an unfair advantage in uh, doing as well as they did. We're not, I'm not calling out any names at this, but um because of this, they've locked down how um, waymarks can be utilized. They can no longer be changed mid-battle. That said, they did, uh, were also adding support for like an automatic waymark placement, weren't they? Well, what they did was they added presets, where there's a number of presets available for you, so you can set the waymarks 
a specific way and with a certain with a press of a button or macro or something like that it will automatically change it it'll set it to that for you at the beginning of a battle yeah this was something that actually did come up in his discussion like the whole tension between the like hey this sometimes leads to development of new tools but at the same time like if you're asking us this is what our answer always has to be for this reason yeah and like I said, because he had not made any stance on it in the past and people assumed that uh, his silence was approval, he had oh. to do this, be- especially since he is a, a high-level director at Square Enix. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not just the producer-director of Final Fantasy XIV. He is in charge of, what is it, Division Three now? Business Division yeah. Three. Because he it was five, but they changed it. They, they reorganized and restructured a while back. So, I mean, he is a... A big shot at SE, so he has to put his foot down. And if if you guys don't listen, you know, there. If, if you post any screenshots um, that have that reference any banned mods, uh, third party tools, show any of that in there. Talk about you know have proof of it in streams, anything like that, and it links back to or can be linked back to your SE account, Square Enix can and very well will will ban you uh keep in mind that this is not a thing of uh, oh i have a right to this is a service that is being uh they are providing and so they do have a lot of ability to say hey we've decided we no longer uh want to provide this and you cannot force them to give it to you like it's not people often worry like can they legally do that it's like technically yes this is a this is a private company that's providing this thing. They don't have to keep providing the game to you. What they legally can't do is scan your computer. And right. He, he that's references what he that. strictly said. He's like, I can't scan your computer, but if you show me proof that you're doing it on social media or whatever, that's all we need. Yeah, actually. it's like if, if you're driving along in a supercar at, you know, 95, 100 miles an hour down a freeway and uh, it's time stamped and all of that, you could see a ticket show up in your mail. Yeah, there's actually a, a bridge uh, here in Western Washington that has it's told on either side. And when they were first testing the cameras, they had them in both directions on each side. Later, they changed it. So it's just as you are leaving the bridge. Uh, but people were actually comparing. And this was back in my very questionably legal days of uh, driving too fast we would actually go on one end and then get to the other side of the bridge and then hit the other end and we would get our tickets and it would show like you were going at X speed, we believe because there's no way to get from that point to that point unless you were going that fast. Yep. That would Uh, hold up in court. And it definitely did. And it definitely cost me $126. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think if you can prove it, even without being there like at the given time, just like, Hey, that VOD on Twitch shows that you definitely moved, you know, you moved all of these waypoints at this time. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't but I also one know at a time. That, no, I'm unless all eight of you are really skilled at doing it, which isn't going to happen. Well, uh, and, and again, it's not, they're not a, a court. They do not necessarily have to meet that standard of proof. Yeah. No, they can just say, Hey, I don't like your face. You're done. You're banned. It's like, well, what it's like no that's not happening anymore they won't but like i said if if you if if they if they can somewhat legitimately prove that that you are doing something that is against their terms of service 
yeah, it yeah. can be done. If they can do it without uh, violating computer fraud type things, like, as I say, can't scan your computer. But if you could show it without needing to do that. I mean, it has happened. I mean, I, I, we, I believe we talked about it when Arthar's uh, Final Fantasy XIV streamer, he was calling somebody out for a bad parse on, on a stream. He yep. got he got and he got a, t a ten day ban for that. Yeah, yep. the fact that it was uh, that he was doing something that is seen as contributing to a toxic environment probably did not help. Yeah, it was being toxic, and you know he I believe he showed his parser. So, yeah, not a good plan. Just if you want to know that you're doing a good amount of damage, we have Stone Sea Sky. Yeah. Like, it's not ideal, but it's definitely better. My than... only concern... Also, the also, theoretically, you could run one of these and not stream that you're doing it and not talk about it with others. Exactly. I mean, it, or and if you do talk about it, I mean, there's no way to prove it. I mean, I don't think there's, they would really do much to you, but... They're not going to scan your computer for it. So if you are not actually, like, putting out any proof that you're doing it, not that this is something we can condone or recommend. Exactly. But... You do it. Is this something you would do at your own risk? Uh, Phoenix Star Radio yep. does not condone the use of, of mods or third-party tools within the uh, online community uh, of we Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy XIV. So we think they're Just... fascinating to talk about, but I think a lot of things are fascinating. Yeah, driving fast True. is fascinating to talk about. We do not condone doing it. Yeah, don't do it. By <laughs> the way, <laughs> I find criminal law fascinating. I'm not doing that stuff. Anyway. Speaking of driving fast, if anybody in Western Washington is selling a car, uh, anyway, <laughs> I don't have one anymore. <sighs> so yeah, there was that whole thing, and it, like I said, we we had there was just uh, it was went on for quite a while. Yeah, mm -hmm. I suggest finding a text of the translation if you can, because he touched on a lot of other interesting aspects about the interplay of yeah, all these. I things. will and link. His... Go ahead. Oh yeah. As I say. Uh, his, he tends to be very thoughtful about this, uh, tends to have a lot of things. And as I said, he gets into a lot of the reasoning of what's going on. So for anyone who's interested in game design and a lot of the decisions going along with this, it's really fascinating. Exactly. So I, I did link the Reddit thread that I saw that um, some of this come from. And then there also are a number of uh, other discords. I believe the... Uh, the subreddit discord the balance discord and mogmog um all did translations of the live letters so if you are members of any of those discords you can probably read through um their translated version of this there so and who knows and remember I'm if you're gonna break the law just break one law at a time phoenix army does not condone not... breaking the law oh my god <laughs> uh, anyway <laughs> um so yeah, that that was that lovely little discussion. Woo! Um, the last little bit that I want to talk about <clears throat> has to do with fan translations. Now, before the 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 uh, as we were planning out the episode, I actually reached out to somebody who does fan translation to ask them if they would be interested in uh, coming onto the show and discussing what they do and and you know if you know what that all entails, and how much they enjoy it. Um, they did politely decline as they prefer to stay in the background, but I did get a very interesting story from them in regards to issues that can come up regarding fan translations. So this is right from them. So I'm not going to mention any names, but thank you so much for, for, uh, sharing this story with me. And, uh, I, I want to share it with all of you guys. So you can kind of get an idea as to what kind of goes into this and what issues may arise. So, um, 
I'm reading their words now. Um, I stepped down from translating for a short period right after Famitsu sued a different translator who uploaded their translation of a Final Fantasy 15 article. And that guy had to pay a 1 million yen fine for their offense. Uh, that would be around $10,000, give or take, which is still a lot. Don't get me wrong. Ten grand, Enough to be annoying. Well, a lot. I mean, that's a lot of money for a lot of people. I, yeah, that bankrupt yeah. me. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, I am a government worker, so... Continuing on. <laughs> Famitsu insisted that the translator stole their article, even though the translator said the translations were not for any profit and only helping the community. Famitsu was still adamant about their charges and said those views were supposed to be gained by Famitsu, even though those outside of Japan would never visit their site because they wouldn't understand anything was written there. Um, anyway... I was scared of translating after hearing about that incident and stayed away from translating for a while, but recently started translating again undercover because I saw heard some misunderstandings and complaints from the English speaking 14 community about how the Final Fantasy 14 developers don't reveal or discuss enough of their thought process. Um, and one of the guests of Mog Talk said that, but the devs actually do talk a lot about the game and recent hot topics that are brought up by the community, but the problem is they only explain it to the Japanese audience. There's so many interviews that haven't been translated because of several reasons. Um, one interview takes three to five hours to translate, and the majority of players don't show much interest on certain topics, which makes it hard to cover everything. Um, there's also quite a lot of information that Yoshida explains and comments on during live letters that doesn't get officially translated because it wasn't on the original script. That type of info can pile up and cause frustration in the, uh, the English-speaking community where some matters are only explained in detail to, to the Japanese audience and I wanted to help also by live translating what I can. Yoshida also reveals information and answers players' concerns during events in Japan that aren't broadcasted live to the English community, but there's a limit to what uh, amateur translators can get around to. So that was quite a little bit of interesting information that was uh, told to me. So thank you mm -hmm. um, for sharing that. Sure I, yeah, I'm not trying sure to agree with all the characterizations of it like i can see the concern about feeling like hey this was something that's not hurting them i know that in intellectual property law if famitsu is the owners of this copyright like maybe they're saying hey you've taken away our ability to choose to do a translation of this later and that's something that a court absolutely would recognize as damages so the difference i'm not sure i guess where i have an issue with that is uh, most of this information is only relevant for a very short window yeah, but that uh, necessity defenses are usually going to be more someone was going to die if it didn't happen, not, oh, the information would have been irrelevant and then not as many people would have known about it. Like, I, I understand where they're coming from on mm -hmm. that. Just intellectual property law is not always kind about, no. about this type it, of thing. It, and it, saying, it is designed to protect the people who create the work and, and yes keep people from stealing it and i understand the importance yeah. of that however and i'll i'll also throw in that i think that a lot of copyright law at the moment does overreach and is ripe for uh review and some reworking but yes. this is the system as it is right now correct um there's and there's not much that we can do about that but i still yell at your congressman i guess well that's not going to help with a, a, a translating issue but 
I mean, for copyright in general. But uh, like I said, it's it's kind of interesting. I didn't realize that uh, you know people would actually go after um, people who are trying to just share information in a different language so fiercely. It just, yeah. I mean, is I mean. Famitsu may see it as, hey, this is our exclusive scoop. This was something that we would have had the right to sell the story to other uh, to other uh, publications to do this type of thing. Someone is, is infringing on this. They're attacking our intellectual property. I mean, like that's how they're going to see it. Is it possible they didn't give enough attribution to the original source? Attribution isn't like that's the thing like if you if you t- uh, if you take someone else's work and say, hey, like uh, I got it. From that doesn't change the fact that you took it without permission. All of, it's always interesting. All of those YouTube videos where they say it's like, "Hey, just so you know, I don't own such and such." It's like, great. So you're admitting that you're using this without the permission of the copyright holder. There's a lot that is not well understood about Fair copyright. Enough. Yeah, and it all depends on how much the uh, the uh, person who first yields the information is trying to protect whatever I mean, monetization also, or um i mean also keep in mind famitsu is they are a legit like they're a legit journalism type thing they're not necessarily going to be like the oh it's for the fans they're not necessarily going to be able to be that free floating about it because like they're like a major journalism type thing they can't just necessarily be as lackadaisical about it as some other things might be <sighs> I don't know. I guess I, I think that news is a little bit of a different thing, but. Sure, but uh, there's a. You can have news, but then there's still what was the original work product. Fair enough. And if you're, ta- if you're taking someone else's reporting and doing the translating of it, there's a legit question about uh, like how much of that was your work product versus uh, theirs. Could one almost consider it transformative since it's being uh, translated into a different language? Uh, that's not. I don't know that that's necessarily and, and, considered. And into tra- your uh, representation of what they're trying to say. Potentially, but being transformative is only one element of fair use. Like I see where it's, you're going with this. You're going for a fair use argument. But yeah, I mean, because I'm not going to lie, everything we have here today is based off of fair use. Yeah, we're reporting on some on something from somebody else. I mean, we try to attribute them as much as possible, make sure that we give you know full credit to Gamer Escape and to Nova Crisalis for their hard work. Um, you know, on on going through and, and on reporting on something that was you know published and put out by Square Enix. Right. The big thing about fair use is pretty much there's stuff you can say that's going to give you an idea of it but you generally don't know until it goes in front of a judge yeah. so saying oh this will definitely be fair use or oh this definitely won't is yeah. practically impossible to say and anyone who says they do know it does not have any actual experience with copyright so i guess the long story long story short here is please don't sue us <laughs> well yes please don't sue us <laughs> i i feel like that's a given um well that end up uh, Ask for permission. In this case, asking for permission is much better than asking for forgiveness. Oh, yes, absolutely. Now, of course, some people are like, oh, they'll say no. And good reason to say no. Famitsu might have uh, said, hey, like, hey, we don't. Another thing they might be concerned about. What if someone makes a poor trans? 
mm-hmm. is attributed to this, and they say, oh, Famitsu must have done terrible reporting. Well, There's a lot of concerns they might have on it, so just because it's something that's going to be for the fans doesn't mean that they don't have an interest in it. It's a complicated and thorny question. You know, it would be an interesting uh, comparison. Hmm. Taking the original article and then looking at the, the, the translation, you know, the, the human translation versus a machine translation and comparing the two. That would depend a lot on the machine, especially if oh, it's absolutely. There's, there's a number of different algorithms that could uh, be run through. Like, I'm just, I'm thinking you know, yeah. Google. Or also if it's something uh, like one that has the specialized terminology that shows up for a game, for instance. I could see developing, say, a translation thing specifically for translating FF14 stuff that would re- have a lot of recognized terms. True. Oh, <laughs> yeah, this is something... Deep breaths, sir. <laughs> no, this is what this is something that they tell you, like, oh, hey, this is a thing that's not usually going to come up in library school, but it comes up more than you think. Like the questions of intellectual property law, this actually comes up more than you might expect, especially in a modern digital culture. So this is something I find deeply fascinating and can and will talk for hours about, as I was about to Cough. demonstrate. Cough. <laughs> It's interesting. The entire concept of intellectual property. Pick on you, though. Yeah. I I mean, that's fair. Yeah. All right. So those were the major topics that we wanted to discuss today. Um. And yeah, we we hit two hours. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Stuff had been quiet for so long, and then all of a sudden, all of this at once. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good info. Like I said, we got to talk about a lot of seven. We got to talk a lot about a fourteen. Um. It was really good. So uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, like I said, this was all just based off of, you know, other people's translations of what was said. Um, but, um, yeah, we have a little less than two weeks now until we get 5.2. So there's a lot to look forward to in that. Anything else uh, you guys quick, want to talk about quick, before we go? No, but quick reminder on timelines. If you haven't, uh, uh, we said at the top of the show, but reminder that voting for uh, the Valentino's event stuff, the event doesn't end for another week or so, but voting for that ends soon. Now. Hmm? It ends like now. No, it it doesn't end until... uh, The 9th. uh, Yeah, tomorrow morning, uh, Sunday morning at 6.59 a.m. Pacific time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, also, uh, although there's been a little less excitement about the prizes this time around, the Moogle Treasure Trove Hunt for Soul Tree is continuing until the launch of Patch 5.2. So this is all. Yep. You'll also want to make sure to spend any leftover, uh, was it, mytho- irregular tombstones of mythology. I had actually Soldiery, been saving those. Wasn't it? Uh, no, mythology. because oh. Soldiery is what you're getting right now. Oh, fair mythology enough. Mythology is the stuff from the previous exchange. It is, you cannot get any more, but you can still trade them in for a bit longer. Gotcha. Makes sense. Because I had saved mine uh, just to see if I could get the orchestrian rolls uh, from Dragonskin Maps instead of having to spend it on there. Gotcha. And then it turns out that they announced that they were putting up those same orchestrian rolls again with the soldiery, and so the prices crashed a bit, and so I went ahead and bought them, and now I can buy some other stuff. Woo. Nice. Yeah, lucky me. Yeah, I will probably be getting that stupid Namazu necklace, even though it's hideous, but it's the only thing that on the list that I really don't have. 
Yeah, is there anything that really leaps out at me? I mean, for those um, who don't want to do the uh, ARR Beast Tribes, getting those mounts is definitely worthwhile because it will take I'm, a long time to get them. I'm probably going to go for the Magitek Predator identification key because I never got that. Well, well, if you need to run uh, Alamigo, let us know. Yeah, but I might just get the, uh, buy the damn thing outright. Fair enough. What about you, Talis? Anything else you want to throw out there? No, I think I'm good. I mean, I'm just excited that we're finally going to have some really solid content and that we're yeah. going to be busy for the next at least two or three weeks uh, to get us through to 5-2-1. Um, I think kind of that initial, that room between 5.0 and 5.1 was so long. Actually, it wasn't, like, I didn't think it was that bad this time. It wasn't too bad, but it was definitely a little slow. We were definitely happy. Remember, there were some weeks recently where we weren't 100% sure what we were going to talk about on the show. Recently, yeah, but I mean, he was talking 5.0 to 5.1. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So, anyway. So then I guess that's going to do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is. Um, and make sure to leave us a rating or review. Uh, it helps other people find our show and helps us grow in the community as well as lets us know what you think. If you really dig the show, please consider subscribing here at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. Um, or be- you can go out to patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio and support us out there like our amazing friend, Aurori Fenrir. Um, You're the best, Aurori. She is actually the best. She's awesome. Um, She's all, the best. All the all proceeds. Right. No, Now you just demonetize us. Thanks a lot. I'm taking eh, it all. That's what I do. I'm taking it out of your paycheck. You don't pay me. Not that paycheck. Oh, shit. (laughs) All proceeds go towards growing the show, covering things like hosting costs, and allows us to do fun things uh, like some giveaways, uh, like when we hit some some major milestones, um, and we can do some other fun stuff like that. Um, But any kind of support, whether it's emails, likes, tweets, or retweets, um, follows, subs, or donations, they're always greatly appreciated because we love interacting with you guys and the rest of the community. Uh, if you want to check out our backlog of episodes and a few articles out there, like uh, I don't know how long ago it was, but it was quite a while ago when Sarah actually wrote a uh, Lorebrarians extra on the uh, Epic of Gilgamesh. Back when I had spare time. Which you should do another one of those coming up soon. Uh, you can go out <sighs> to our website, phoenixonradio.com. If you have questions, uh, comments, or anything like that, you can always email us, podcast at phoenixonradio.com. Make sure to follow us out on Twitter at PHXDN Radio. Um, and if you are new to us or uh, listening to us on the podcast, come join us live sometime out at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. Shout out time, guys. Uh, Talas, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, shout outs to my awesome friends in Unity, who I look forward to seeing again shortly. Uh, shout outs to uh, Ruby Honoka from Cactuar, who has been super helpful during this trip to Japan. Uh, and shout outs to you two for letting me continue to be a host on the podcast from 6,000 miles away. Well, that's only temporary. The 6,000 mile yeah. part, not the not the, the hosting thing. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Gotta love that uh, misunderstanding bit, huh? It's fine. Definitely a misunderstanding. And how can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at TalizMarvelous, T-A-L-I-Z, Marvelous, on Twitter. Uh, Message me if you're going to PAX East. I definitely want one of those scarves. Uh, Yeah. Tokyo's great. I can't wait to be home, though. 
Right on. Sarah? All right. Uh, shout out, uh, I guess, as usual, to Kyle Spender for bouncing a bunch of ideas about the trailer with me happy earlier. Happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday, dude. You're older than me now for like a month. Woo! Isn't he always a month older than you? I mean, yeah, but if we're like rounding off to whole numbers. <laughs> Look at me. I'm class. I'm going to hit that one on my soundboard about technically correct. No, I'm going to do. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. That's worse. Even when I'm trying to mock you, you can't play along. You are technically correct. The best kind of correct. Now you do it. God. Oh, my God. Everything is terrible. I love it. Yeah, you pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, shout out to Sian, uh, who uh, gave me a lot of information about Eureka, so I, I didn't stumble around too much and mess things up when I was doing Pagos earlier. Uh, yeah, it, it was actually really uh, helpful and reassuring to hear that stuff and to hear that this is a time to do it, all things considered. Uh, what, now we're NPR? Hmm? No. All things considered? I mean, I would be okay with that. I generally like the NPR aesthetic. This is PDR. For a moment, I heard PBR, and I was like, no, thank you. College was a while ago. No. <laughs> anyway, What do we look like, hipsters? Good lord. Uh, I mean, you got the beard for it. You are technically correct. <laughs> <sighs> well played. Yeah. Uh... And you can find me on Twitter at FF14SER. That's F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R, where I occasionally, uh, oh, that was weird. Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, weird sound thing on my end. Where I occasionally uh, post pictures of stuff that I cooked with friends or weird things that I found at the, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of activity there, but people seem to like it when I do stuff, so good for them, I guess. You can always ask him questions there, too. Yeah. Or hit us up I'm on our uh, Discord server as well. I'm always happy to give uh, explanations of lore-related things in-game or real-world links. The real-world links are sometimes even more fascinating to me. Uh, as I said, on Twitter or on the uh, Discord uh, or pretty much anywhere else you find me. I will pretty much drop whatever I am doing to answer an interesting question. No matter where I happen to be, this has caused problems in my life before. No way. Yeah, it's a little bit of a problem. Aww. I like turtles. And I want to shout out to uh, Talas and Sarah. Thank you again so much for joining me on this shit show. Well, no, we're not Woo. She Heals I Tank. We are. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we have a lot of fun. Um, shout out to um, Aurori for being an awesome uh, supporter of the show. Shout out to everybody here live at twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. Uh, shout out to Avi Ale uh, at She Heals I Tank. I have been doing a lot of discussion with her recently since we learned when the uh, when and where uh, FanFest is going to be. Uh, we have been uh, doing some discussing um, on if we're going to be doing any type of event um, as uh, the creators group. So like I said, uh, follow us for information on that. And we'll be uh, posting that as soon as we have some you know, more solid information or if we have questions on things that you, people would like to do. 
I just want to throw out, like, it was kind of amazing to see how practically instant it went from, okay, the location has been announced to how uh, quickly sprung people sprung into action to start making plans, put together ideas. Like, clearly everyone waiting eagerly for uh, that information. And the moment they got it, it went into action. Well, I guess that means this community likes to get together and party and drink. Oh, yeah. I actually know several people who said that the main reason they would go to FanFest is to see a lot of their uh, friends from the game. Yep, I'm excited to be able to go this year, so I'm mm-hmm. just beyond happy. So, um, And shout out to uh, basically anybody listening out on the podcast. I really do appreciate you guys. Um, if you want to follow me, like I said, you can hit me up on Twitter at PHXDN underscore K-L-A-U-S-S. Um, you can also email me, um, Klaus at phoenixstarradio.com as well. And like I said, if you're interested in joining us for that uh, axe throwing uh, on March 7th, do let me know as soon as possible, either by uh, uh, email or by Twitter, so I can get the right uh, number of people um, for reservation. So for my co-hosts, uh, Talos Marvelous and Sarah Timono, I am Klaus Neipinger, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of phoenixdownradio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is the copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by Guitar Wanker 90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash Guitar Wanker 90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.